Hello, everyone. This is Vern Davis, and I'm your host, the host of Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is proudly brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today, uh, this this gentleman has been a guest on our show before. I think uh, the most recent time was at MJ BizCon last year in 2022. Mr. Guy Record. Guy is the president, co-founder, and CEO of Papa and Barkley. And Guy is a very accomplished individual um, in the subject matter of cannabis, for sure. And he's also a veteran and has had a very, very interesting journey in life. And we're going to dive into that. Guy, good morning and and welcome to Plant Profits. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Vern. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure always. I tell you what, the wonderful thing about having you is that you cannot spend 15 minutes without with you and not learn something important. And you are a natural educator, man. Did anyone ever tell you that? Um, I've heard I've heard that before. I do like uh, my wife actually was a teacher. I've never thought about it, but in cannabis, yeah. I just feel like I have a lot to share. So I'm constantly uh, trying to make it relatable. You have this real sense of responsibility, you know, and uh, it, it's obvious in everything that you do. And we're going to talk about the, some of those things. But look, I want everybody to know that, yeah, you're co-founder, CEO, president. You got a lot of titles. But when it comes down to it, what what's really important is that you're involved in every aspect at Papa and Barkley, right? In optimizing production practices, right? Ensuring compliance and product road mapping, all these different things that you do is really important to you. I got a question to ask you. You know, with all the different things that you do, now, January of 2022, all these other titles were, <laughs> were put upon you. But it, it really, has your day-to-day really changed? Uh, yeah, it, it has, actually. And it's so funny because I joke about it. It's like being a CEO is like being uh, a coach. Like, it's not unlike, you know, when I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen that show, Ted Lasso, but it's like, I'm like, wait, he's not doing anything, but his job is like that in, to inspire and to get the team right. to want to work together and to put people on a mission. And that's right. very different. When I first started Pop and Barkley as a co-founder and chief product officer, it was all yeah. about making the products, right? So I spent a lot more time in the lab. I spent a lot more time building cannabis labs because, you know, in the beginning, even though our first thought, the first thought of many of our investors was like, oh, typical CPG, you find a contract manufacturer. Well, right. there were no contract manufacturers. We had to build our manufacturing ourselves. Um, and, you know, get that efficient source scalable machinery. So I was very involved in that and had a passion for that. But now um, as CEO, yeah, a lot of it is just basically being that positive, you know, mentor and getting my team to buy in and work. And like, I think the good leaders realize that you can't do everything by yourself. You need a team and it quickly becomes that you're just supporting the team. So where most of my days were getting my hands oily and sticky in the lab, now it's kind of like just being on calls and, you know, helping folks, helping my, uh, you know, executive team manage the company. Yeah. 
Well, I, and so there has been some changes and adjustments in what you do clearly on a day, day-to-day basis. But, you know, when you think about this plant and your journey with this plant, what, what's really the most important thing to you that you want the consumers of, of, of sure, of, of Pop and Barkley to experience? But also, it's bigger than that. I think, you know, you, you, what I get from you in our conversations, you want everyone to have a similar wonderful experience. And, and there's some elements of what that should be. Why don't you break that down for us? Yeah. Look, I, for me, cannabis, one, in the beginning, it, it caused me to question. But then it also caused me to, like, question myself and look in. And I want to share that with everybody because I think that, like, cannabis is not just a analgesic product or a CPG product. It does have a certain lifestyle change to it. I think part of it is maybe a blessing as we just come out of prohibition that we have to think about, like, well, why was this plant demonized? Why is there this unique factor about it? But cannabis itself as a substance, the way I think it treats the body in terms of healing, in terms of just mental kind of introspection. Yeah, I do want to share that with everybody. I mean, I know what it's done for me in my life. You know, it's like, it's just, it's the one thing that that piece that's missing. Like when we think about celebrations, when we think about wellness in this country, we're kind of like polarized. Like it's either extreme wellness, like you can't like, you know, you're like eating like clean foods and working out all, all the time, or you're on the other side of the spectrum. And like cannabis, I think gives you that middle ground of like, no, you have to be able to like really be honest with yourself about like what you want and how to get it. It's a hard one to quantify, but for, for me, cannabis is about introspection and joy. And it's it's always a pleasure sharing that. And people don't get it at first, but when they do, it's very obvious. And it just immediately starts to change your life. That's been my experience. It's really powerful that way. It does affect your life. And, um, and if you allow it in a very, very uh, positive way. But the other thing that you really get into is that you want everyone to have a clean experience. You want the product to go in as clean as possible into your system so that all the wellness and goodness can be the benefit and you don't have backlash or negative things. And so tell me about that and tell me about that part of the journey and how you are trying to impact the entire industry. Yeah. So look, I, I, I think that one, mo- like everything else in the zeitgeist, we want things to be cleaner and more natural. I think most people can resonate with the concepts of organic, but in cannabis with legalization, it seems like we're kind of losing that, right? It's like, we, we have to, I don't want cannabis to have to go through the same mistakes that like our food supply chain went through to become organic. But right now, most companies are not really worried about the quality of the product, the flour. They're boiling it down to just the active ingredient, THC. The equivalent of that is like going into a, a bar and just getting moonshine or just getting alcohol. Yeah. It's so much more than that, right? So what is quality cannabis? We're not really communicating that to the consumer. And it's not to say that using chemicals to extract your oil are particularly dirty, but when you're cutting a corner like that, typically what we see now in the majority, unfortunately, of like gummies and products, especially manufactured products in, in, in dispensaries, is high fructose corn syrup, dyes, artificial flavors. Like the products themselves are just garbage and they're just carrying this THC. But consumers... So that's, that's so important. Now, you got a lot to say and you're going to get a chance to say it, of course. But tell me, I'm a consumer. You are the expert. What do I do? Well, how should I go into a dispensary? What should my experience be, man? You know, when I go into an ex, uh, 
a dispensary and I, I want a clean product. And I think I take it for granted that I'm going to automatically get it because it's in a store just like, you know, in my Walgreens, right? I, and there are certain things that must happen for it to be on that shelf. And so what do I do and how do I make sure, because there are some products in that dispensary that are absolutely done the right way. How do I know? What do I do as a consumer? I think the first thing, similar to, again, uh, the, the bar analogy, yeah. if your bud tender, who's likely going to be a younger person, is talking to you only about potency, that's the first red flag. Potency okay. is not everything. We don't buy products based on how strong they are. We buy, buy them on the quality and efficacy they are. But with okay. cannabis, because of the prohibition mindset, the scarcity mindset, potency yeah. seems to loom over everything. So first ask, what is the highest quality product, not the most potent product? Another thing, just like with all your food, will I know what you should that be able to read the Will I know when you say see, look at that. What's the highest quality product? Will my bud tender understand how to articulate that back to me? Well, that I can't promise. Um, I'm sure some, I'm sure there's a, quite a few bud tenders that will be able to do it, or at least you will get them to rise to the conversation. Um, yeah. Because look, many of these young folks are passionate about cannabis. And I don't think anybody working in dispensary is there because it's their only job choice, especially in the uh, environment we have now. So I, I think that most bud tenders probably can do it. I just don't know that they're usually inspired to do it. And the way dispensaries are geared now, it's just about churn. And I and I appreciate that for the, from the retailer. But look, as a consumer, you should also be able to look at your label. We should yeah. be teaching folks and everybody should be reading their labels, even in the supermarket, right? And this is plant medicine. And I, I can't stress that enough. We are still in plant medicine. Eventually, pharma will take the active pharmaceutical ingredients, THC, CBD, CBN, and others, and make awesome pharmaceutical caliber drugs. But right, right now, in dispensing plant medicine, this is plant medicine. Yeah, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want you to pick up yeah. on that. You got a lot to say on that. We're going to talk about that. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Guy Record. He's the president, co-founder, and CEO of Papa and Barclay. A wonderful business. We'll be right back. Let's pick. Let's let's pick it up when we come back about. Plant medicine. This is we're we're in a in a stage where we're in plant medicine. There's some things there. Okay. Plant profits will return, so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and Plant Profits is brought to you gladly by Protus Global. Uh, my guest today is Guy Record. He is the president and co-founder and CEO of Papa and Barclay. And we're just having this discussion about where are we with cannabis today? And it's plant medicine. And and, and Guy may, makes that so simple. He says that so easily. What does that mean? What does that mean we're in plant medicine and where are we headed and where are we going? What, what does that all mean and how do we get there? Yeah. So plant medicine to me means you should be able to read the label and and see where your plant medicine is, right? It's like cannabis right now and the anecdotal evidence we have to date around the safety is about flour. So think about that. Smoking, which we know is, you know, carcinogens is not the best. That's what essentially got us through prohibition. You also have your basic edibles, your brownies, your alcohol tincture. But all those things have in common is that they have the whole plant in them. 
There was no opportunity to strip out just the active ingredient. So if you think about aspirin, which comes from willow bark, well, you can chew on willow bark or drink willow bark tea all day long. You cannot have more than one or two aspirin a day, right? There's toxicity when we concentrate active ingredients. Well, cannabis is the same. And there's plenty of research now showing that whole plant efficacy is much more synergistic to the body than let's say just having the active ingredient. We see that on the CBD side. On our scientific advisory board, we have a gentleman named Oren Davinsky and Epidiolex, which is the only uh, cannabis-based drug approved for for epilepsy. Yeah, 300 milligrams of CBD, these kids see abatement of seizures, but one-tenth of that, a 30 milligram whole plant with some trace amounts of THC and all the chlorophyll works just as well right? And at 300 milligrams on a regular basis, eventually you will start to see liver toxicity issues as basically this crystallized powder builds up in the body. We see that with other analgesics. So plant medicine is exactly that, Brian. You should be able to see the plant and the formulation should be simple. I love saying things grown in grandma's garden and made in grandma's kitchen. That's what got prohibition. That's what got us through the last millennia. And those are the formulations that we want to look at first. And Ultimately, I think we want those to be premium because, as you can imagine, without the use of chemicals, without the use of preservatives or emulsifiers, it's a little bit more expensive a product. In order to get folks to spend more, they need to just be educated, right? And now if you go into a store, many people, if they can afford it specifically, will go for an organic food or understand what, you know, Wonder Bread is compared to like a true wheat bread or a real grain, whole grain bread. With cannabis, that education isn't there. And what scares me is it doesn't seem like there's a real call for that. Dispensaries have no incentive to do it. They're dragging the brands down with them in a race to the bottom where it's just like, oh, as long as it has THC, mission accomplished. That is not why people are in jail for. It's just not. Yeah, it's plant medicine. Is there a governing body? How do we get folks in leadership positions to feel about the plant or believe in the plant the way you do and see where it's headed, and you really believe there are some boxes to be checked to get to the where we're going. Yeah. And how do we get consumers to understand it? I mean, Whole Foods. I live in Austin, Texas, man. Whole Foods is booming, right? That it, it was. It, that's where it's headquartered. But Whole Foods is booming because people have been educated how to shop, or and they have places, Whole Foods dispensary, you know education how does it all happen and who's organizing that when are we going to start it just feels like we're just trying to sell something yeah look i think what it is is we don't as an industry we don't have a voice and look our system in the united states specifically is not the best but it, it there is a system right and what we need is a lobby and as much as it pains me to say this when yeah. you look at <laughs> folks like the nra yeah they do it right. They understand the system. They know how to use their voice for their industry. We are still in the beginning. Vern, you might remember this term from the South. We're kind of like crabs in the bucket where yeah. everybody yeah. is trying to be on top, but nobody's getting out of the bucket. And it's, no. it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating. There's a lot of industry associations. None of them have two nickels. None of them have a real voice in Washington. And we're not being taken seriously. What we need is that lobby, that coalition of cannabis professionals that yeah. want to see this industry grow for the right reasons but that does not exist yet i mean look there's a lot of industries doing a lot of good work but not i mean a lot of associations doing a lot of good work but they're not really at that washington level affecting policy and stuff and right now i'm actually quite terrified 
about what the feds might do because the folks you're listening to are our natural enemies, you know, alcohol, tobacco, yeah. pharma, yeah. they have yeah. strong lobbies and they have a they have an interest to make our plant not be plant medicine. What they fear is this being available at the farmer's market because most CPG businesses work uh, under the premise of being able to kind of capture their audience in a permanent level where I make this cannabis product, it has to be made by me, and there's no way grandma can create an equivalent product and sell it at the farmer's market. And that model has not done consumers well. I think we can agree to that. And cannabis is heading that way. And the only way to change it is if we get together and say, no, cannabis has a is a could be a force for change. The same way we were demonized, we can now come out and say, hey, look, this is what was wrong with the way you were producing our food and we're fixing it. This is what's wrong with medicine and wellness in terms of pharma and what OTC products really do and what's right. in them and their potential side effects. This is what whole plant medicine can look like. This is what doing right by your consumer can look like. I also think that cannabis is part of a larger, greener industry. So sustainable packaging, regenerative farming, those are yeah. all things that are already in our in our DNA. DNA. Yeah, sure it is. It, it, you're, 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 you're so right, but you're scaring the hell out of me because to your point, the NRA exists because like-minded people decide to write checks, right? That's right. Do we have like-minded people? Because there's a lot of money in cannabis. Yeah, but the money is not ours. And I think that's a mistake. Look, remember I, I told you my uh, about the VC folks I worked with in my Colorado company. You got to know where your money comes from. And when we when this thing broke out, we probably made a mistake in letting, well, I don't know if that was our choice, but a lot of cannabis right now is just run by bankers, right? Yeah. They're not necessarily green-hearted cannabis advocates. The problem that we have is, the advocates, the people who did risk jail, the people who did go out and get signatures, the people who are in jail, they are not the ones who funded this industry. And it's problematic. I mean, I don't want to say anything because I, of course, dip my hand in that pool too. So I don't want to be a hypocrite, but that's yeah. what's up. No, yeah, th that is what's up. That's that's what's up. So how do we get there, brother? So look, I, I, I it's taken me a while. But okay. you know, if there are any bankers out there, this is how I've decided to kind of communicate to them on their terms. Okay. If they really want this to make real money in this industry and really understand what margins are, then you need to let us grow and build a culture. Because the difference between like us and let's say the wine industry is right now our culture is not being championed in voice. But I can tell you that you can buy two buck chuck and most people yeah. know the difference between two buck chuck and a $14 bottle of wine. After that, it's all story. Same thing with alcohol, same thing with fashion. So if you really want to get a thousand percent margin, you want to be that person that can sell a $250 eighth, it's going to take a story and a culture, right? That people can buy into. There's a reason why you buy Louis V, right? There's a reason why you buy Grey Goose. It's because exactly. you're buying into the story that yep. the craftsmanship is worth it. That experience is worth it. It's also a flex. Let's be fair. People love to flex and level up to say they got the quality product. So what we need is true uh, merchandising of good, better, best that's educated to the consumer, reinforced by the merchandiser, right? So yeah. even as a young 18-year-old, well, let's call it 21-year-old now, you walk into a, a, a liquor store, the stuff on the top shelf or the stuff in the case, you don't have to ask the guy whether that's better, right? <laughs> it, it pre, it's assumed that all these things and an entire industry has been diverse. Well, merchandise is what, what's the best, exactly. A single malt scotch. Is it better than a blended scotch? Yeah, because it's on the top shelf. It's on the top shelf. 
you know, I know it was handmade. Okay, is yeah. handmade better than machine made? But it's not the point. It's because it's handmade. The TLC is put in there, right? When I think about clean, solventless cannabis, well, I'm doing it by hand. And we had a chance to automate. And I was like, you know what? We can automate some of it, but I'm always going to want to hand row some of it because I want those pictures out there. I want people to be able to participate in the joy that something was crafted by them for them with TLC by another person, yeah. right? And craft pay for that as a community, as a as a as a culture. CPG, you will pay for that, and that's what's missing in, in our industry. So to get the bankers to buy in, I think we have to get them out of their cannabis shame and their prohibition mindset, and realize that this is more than just t- three letters THC. That there's an opportunity to build a real industry and culture here to make big money. I don't know if you see that show about Jordan with Nikes. Same yeah. thing. We could yeah. be buying sneakers or we could be buying sneaker culture, which is far I more. I love that. I love that. And we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back and we're going to pick up where you, you left off your own culture and um, you're talking money, man. I love that. That's great. That's great. Hey, this is Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. My guest today is Guy Ricard. Guy is the co-founder, president, CEO of Papa and Barclay. We're going to talk about culture when we come. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Welcome back, everyone. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. Plant Profits is probably brought to you by Protus Global. You record president, co-founder, CEO, Poppin' Barkley, wonderful brand. And man, he hit a note with me. Uh, he talked about culture and consumer behavior and interaction with culture and storytelling as part of the culture. And I think that's really, really, really important. And he's he's putting that in place, putting his money where his mouth is at Papa and Barclay. And so, so but Guy, are there other storytellers? Are there other like-minded? It comes to like-minded individuals moving in the same direction, not that crabs in the bucket mentality. I mean, this sounds beautiful because you are articulate and I know you are doing exactly what you say, but I know you get, but is it anywhere else? I'm a consumer. I want what you're putting down. Look, in California, I think that we have a pretty uh, rich culture, especially up here in NorCal. Um, And I think that the community resonates with, I think that many original cannabis consumers and advocates are aware of the lifestyle and the culture and have already had that kind of like mindset shift. Most folks who are into cannabis, like I said, are into other greener things and are just more aware, right? Uh, And thinking about things a little bit deeper, looking at the labels on their food, right? So if we were to look at a consumer segment, a person that's into wellness, once educated on cannabis, really starts to like, it all all starts to gel. But I think there are like-minded people, but right now, we are so when we were underground Vern, you know cannabis has been around right and i'll give you an example in 2012 when we start first seeing concentrates here in california and we have some dispensaries almost instantly i fly to visit my mom and i see dab rigs and concentrate vaporizers in uh head shops in new york and i'm like how who is communicating the devices and all this stuff in this basically underground culture we had a strong billion-dollar industry before legalization, right? right? People tend to forget that. Now, 
with pro with prohibitions abating, we have folks all struggling to try to make the change, and that's all we're focused on. So I think the same people that we used to, I used to hang out with and think about cannabis, and you know, we were all kind of like under fire together, all like undercover together, if you will. Now it's like we're just trying to stay in business, and as you know, with two eighty e, no yeah. safe banking. It's right. uh, we're playing business on hard. Like if, if this yeah. was a video game, I'm playing on the absolute extreme level right now. I feel like I could be CEO of any of these large corporations because yeah. none of them have it as hard as we do when it comes to the real right. hacking and tackling of business. Instead of having one entity, I have to have a billion entities. I have to structure all my payments to try to just get a little bit of a tax break. I have it's for surprise inspections. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just like it's so hard to run a cannabis business right now. So I think that the like-minded folks like myself are just focused on just trying to provide safe access. So right. the legalization thing does feel a little bit two steps forward, you yeah. know, one step back kind of thing. It's definitely a move forward, but now it feels like we have to reclaim some things. You know, we have to, in the, in the medicinal market, especially here in, in California, we were in a really good place in 2013, 2014. More shops than we have now, 2,500 shops. Wow. Quality cannabis that was regularly was fairly well tested. We were self-regulating. A lot of people forget this. And it gives you a sense of the mindset of true cannabis advocates. We were already self-regulating. I've been working with SD Labs now going yeah. on 15 years. That's yeah. way past the compliant level. Absolutely. It's deep yeah. analytics out in the Midwest, right? So right. It, it, it's, it's definitely... We do need to get together, but right now I feel like we're all distracted because they've made business hard. And I say they, who are they? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know but I think I think I think that they is 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 just the misinformation monster that we've created after a hundred years of demonization and misinformation. It's a lesson to be learned. When you allow misinformation to fester, it's very hard to unseat. And so as we see that happening in our politics, we should be really, really concerned because bad information sticks. Right. You have people out there now believing things that are inaccurate and they believe them like vehemently. And they used to believe that cannabis was bad and that if their kids did it, the sky was going to fall. Right. And yeah. Why is the bad information coming from folks with money and the good information is coming from folks without? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is, is absolutely crazy. So, Gee, I got a got a question. I, I want to I, I really what what is I mean. Man, thank you for your service, uh, you know, in the military and all the things that you've done. What do you want your legacy and your relationship with the plant to be? I want it, it, it would it would be I would be honored to be associated with changing consumer products, how consumer products are delivered to the consumer. I want cannabis to raise that bar. I want to be part of a company and an industry that raises the bar across the board. Right. And so when I say that, it's like I make quality products and yes, they have THC in it, but the main ingredient is TLC. I'm thinking about my consumer. It. I want to make a product and have fair exchange. Like our products are also fair trade. So yes, I want to make money, but I want to give value. And I think the same way Steve Jobs took the suit out of the boardroom and put the, ho put the turtleneck in there, I want to yeah. put the hoodie in there. It's like, yeah. I think that you can make money and be successful, but I think you can also play the game fairly. Right. On our national side, the notion of like performance marketing. Right. If I told you, hey, Vern, I'm going to follow you around. I'm going to watch everything you do, watch everything you buy and then use that data against you. You'd be like, you're a stalker. Well, that is performance marketing in the digital age. 
It's an aggregation of somebody's complete data to try to manipulate them via email to get them to buy something. I want you to buy my product because you need it and because it's quality, right? At one point, we have to start to look at late stage capitalism and say, can we do better? Like, it's not about, I, of course, look, I'm a patriot. If I work harder than the next person, I want to see my benefit be greater. Yeah. But, they, but that there needs to be some levels there, right? The fact is, even if I work harder than my neighbor, he's still my neighbor. She's still my neighbor. She's still a human being. And so there's only so much winning, right? When we think about the wealth gap in this country right now, it's ridiculous. And I think real cannabis users that are truly smoking on a regular basis and introspective know better. Like now I'm a faithful cannabis faithful, right? I yeah. really believe that a friend in weed is a friend indeed. And I have yet to meet that person that is a true cannabis person that is uh, that that is ready to take such wanton advantage of their brother and sister. Let me put it that way. Now, that's a general blanket statement. I'm sure there's somebody out there right now puffing <laughs> on something ready but to do something crazy. You know? But this is your experience. Right. This has been my experience. And that would be my legacy. It's like, look, I'm yeah. not the first to say it, but I do believe that the cannabis brings love. Right. The plant is love. That feeling ultimately of, you know, of understanding cannabis and when you commune them with it, especially in a social setting. So we think about right now, our social lubricant is alcohol that ultimately leads to violence and dysfunction. I don't think that's hyperbole. I think we can build a lot of data to, yeah. to, to show that cannabis is the opposite. I'll, I'll bring you back again to the uh, early 2000s. We're having huge concerts. I go to a Rick Ross concert out in the uh, out in the desert, right? Lots of people. We're in this big aircraft dome. It's like literally you're in the bottom of a bong. It's so smoky. Rick Ross is bringing out. He had just launched his champagne line. He's bringing out a champagne bottle that's shaped like a big joint sh shaped like a champagne bottle. Everybody's smoking. At the end of the concert, you know, you have that kind of like dull ringing in your ears. Yeah. But instead of like police cars everywhere, like it would be in a sporting event or violence in this kind, everybody just floated out. The cops were literally around and we just all floated home. And we did that yeah. summer over summer over summer. Right. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, you're smoking. It's like they want to lock the rules down. It's like, well, my point is when people socialize with cannabis, we get love, not violence and fighting. Right. And so, yeah, if, if I could say that. I could leave something for the right. world. If somebody were to mention my name, I just want to be a champion that started to bring a little bit of love back to our interactions. Because meeting at a bar for a drink, while I love to do that, yeah. doesn't have the same outcome as if we sat down and we smoked and really talked. And sometimes we might be quiet. People are like, oh, well, you and your five people just sit around. Well, there's nothing wrong with sitting quietly and thinking. We might want to all do a little bit more of that. I love it. We're going to leave it on love. Man, I, I really want to uh, say thank you for, for coming to Plant Profits. And my guest today, Mr. Guy Record, who is the co-founder, CEO, president, everything at Poppin' Barclays. I really want to appreciate your passion, your knowledge, your intellect around what we're all trying to get accomplished. You know, and it's going to take more than one man to get all of this done. And, and I, I hope that you're coalitioning with the with folks that are like-minded and you're creating some some power man because it's 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 truly 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 important and i want to thank all of you for listening to plant profits and and you can get us on amazon anywhere you get your podcast apple google spotify we are there 
download Plant Profits and listen to this recording and listen to others. And also, Produce Global, my company. You can find us on all of the social media sites, right? IG, Facebook, we're everywhere. Anywhere you look, we are there, man. And really take a look at how we are changing people's lives and what we do, how we're building companies. That's protisglobal.com, P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. Had a wonderful guest today, Mr. Giru Kord. Until next time, cheers. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.